Welcome to the Startup Showcase. I'm your host, Scott Gatoon. Uh, what a beautiful day. I mean, we're all quarantined and stuff, but like, what a nice, what a nice time to like walk around and smell the fresh air. It snowed. I saw this post on the, uh, on the gram. Uh, you can actually follow me at Katoon on the gram. It started to get fun. I'm, I'm having, I'm, I'm going to get into this after this part. I got two good fun things for you. But what I saw was a friend of my wife, uh, posted that her kids both swam and made a snowman in the same week. Only in the Midwest. Whoa. Only you're wow. up. Hey, you know what? Hey, good morning. That's that's producer Sam talking from I think from Jesus's rooftop. Yeah, that's <laughs> What's right. What's going on? What's going on, Scott Katoon? Uh, but how crazy is that? Snow, pool, and today's like in between there. So I think I'm going to take a nice walk. I bought myself some stogies. It's probably not good for Corona as a respiratory thing, but you know what? What the hell? I'm going to do what I want to do. I like it. Okay, so let me tell you some fun stories. Um, and Sam, I'm going to involve you in at least one of these. I was talking with uh, the great Amy Guth before we came in here. And it reminded me, so I have a, uh, if you guys follow me on, on Twitter or anywhere at Katoon uh, or go to Technori, we actually launched a brand new website, uh, Technori.com. That's what you do when you're sitting around home. You're like, hey, you know what? I should code up a new site. It is fantastic. Shout out to the people that helped us get that done. Um, but we, we launched a couple of different blogs. I'm kind of writing like a weekly article, sort of the inflection point of tech and media. And I'm writing one right now that's going to go live in our, our newsletter on Tuesday. You can subscribe to this at technory.com about the shift. And Sam, this is where I want you in on this. Um, the shift from scrolling through feeds and staring at people and just the behavior we had in the past. And if you're younger or older, really, it doesn't matter. You go onto Facebook and there's just this like angry animosity uh, that that you see everywhere. People posting with just utter assuredness that this is right or wrong and people going nuts. And I'm starting to see a, a, a flip where people are a little bit more empathetic and enjoying the social part of social again. And I think that this, this quarantine thing, both the fact you're separated from loved ones is part of it, but also you spend more time paying attention and rereading posts and starting to read the comments because you used to scroll by it real quick and you start to recognize just how angry and like weirdly disinformational it is. And people are starting to do house parties and zoom parties. I did a zoom party with my wife's friends last night, which is why my voice is hoarse. We, uh, we talked a lot. We, we talked really late. Yeah, I'm sure you just talked a lot. <laughs> we talked yeah. a lot. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so like people are, are starting to find that it is more valuable to communicate with the people you care about and to create content for the purposes of conversation to those who you think care, not just this like verbose posting on the internet of things so that people will like troll you. And I think that that's going to stay. I actually think this is a good thing and I think it's going to start moving. How do you like... Has anything in your social, are you a big social person or are you just sort of, I mean, you're like super social in person, but on the, on the net, are you social? Um, depends because every time I write something, someone always has to make a comment and lots of the people that want to make comments. That's who I write for, baby. That's who I write for. I love it. So, you know, most of my comments are always directed at the, you know, Chicago Bears quarterback. I'm a big sports guy. That's an easy one to troll. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I I am different from in person than online. Yeah. hundred percent. Just because I I, I wonder for you, you're a perfect example because I feel like that represents 
See, you're probably a good version of that because you're very charismatic and, and friendly in person and online. You're probably a little bit more like, here's here's my take. Like, you, you know I'm a goofy guy, but like, here's what I'm thinking about. I can't like prove myself. Like, you know, when you do face-to-face, when yeah. you get the full, you know, your emotion out and tell, express what you're saying compared to online when someone's just reading it and they're interpreting it how they want to interpret it. So what if, what if the world started to shift where most of your friends were going on Snapchat, Instagram, whether it's TikTok, all these different platforms, and they were like genuinely wanting to have a conversation with you about why Mitch Trubisky throws the football uh, a social distance away from the wide receiver. Like what if they actually like they were like, you know what, I, I don't really care if you write this big long post. I lo- like why do you think that? Why why are you the only supporter of Mitch Trubisky in the city? <sighs> I know you're not. Yeah, I'm not. There's no quite, There's no answer to that one because I'm not a supporter. But, but you'd like, have more fun with it, though. I would, but it depends. It all depends on the. I think more people are going to want to have conversations with you, like whether you agree or disagree about stuff. Like one of the things that I I'm writing about in this, and I think this is reality. I think that this inflection point is where the world. You know, for those of you out there who were on Facebook, you know, in 2004. The, like the OG social where it was about social. It was about interacting with your friends and bringing that life experience online. We're going to go back to it. I think that we're going to get to a point where people are like, okay, so you know what? It turns out social media, maybe not the best place to get the news. Maybe I pay and go to New York Times or whatever. It doesn't. I'm not liberal biased. Like, whatever you're into, I could see people going to that and legit being like, that's where the news comes from. And then going back on social and wanting to share sort of their, their feelings and, and build a community of people that they care about, which is why you're seeing group chat and all these other things starting to really, they weren't um, gone. They were there before and they were growing uh, momentum before, but they're really coming back with vengeance. And, and I think back to a, a quote from, um, ironically, the Reddit co-founder Alexis Ohanan, also the spouse of the great Serena Williams, huge fan of both. Uh, commenting about when, when asked, I think this is about a year and a half ago, he was asked, where do you see social going? And he said, I truly think that we're heading towards um, an assertion of community, of growing their own community. And uh, I just, I, I think it's a good thing. I think people are starting to get back to a spot that, that they really care. Um, and maybe this was like the little societal timeout that we needed. I'm just, that's just my take on it. Um, we're going to take a quick commercial break. I'm going to come back pay some bills uh, because we still got to do that. And then I want to share some news that I think is really, really cool. And for any of you listening who are into gaming or that have kids who are into gaming in particular, and that's you, Sambo, um, this is a good story. I think you're going to dig it. So we'll be back right after this. Welcome back to the show. Um, I was just talking about uh, uh, some cool news that broke on, uh, on Friday. I think speaking of broke, I think my headphones just broke, but bottom line is, uh, for those of you who are into gaming, hey Sam, you're on the, you're on the yeah. There you go. There we go. We're all fixed. Um, I think we're gonna get new headphones after that. <laughs> this is this is what quarantine radio sounds like. Um, it's all good. Uh, so anyway, um, if you're into video games, and and here's the other part. So the news that broke was Republic. Who, if you do this show and you listen to this show and you follow us and and you invest in these companies, the vast majority of them are raising on a platform Republic, which I advise, um, and I, I'm a big fan of sort of retail investing on, obviously. Uh, Republic just announced an acquisition of a company called FIG, F-I-G dot C-O. And what it is, and so now you're able to do this through Republic, what it is, is a crowdfunding platform for video games. So just like movies, 
Um, and this is kind of cool. We just did a podcast uh, with the CEO, Justin Bailey of Fig. Uh, we're going to drop it on Technori's podcast system at, um, I want to say, Monday morning. So if you check it out on Monday morning, we'll be, we'll be all set. But um, anyway, the deal is this. If you know movies and stuff, I'm all good. I'm all good. Uh, if you know movies and stuff, you know that the way that this generally operates is small groups will fund a project. Or they will try to get some initial funding, enough to sign up one actor or a producer, director, whatever it is. And then as they sort of grow momentum, they go out and they try to find other investors for the movie. And if the movie picks it up, then they take it to like Cannes and all these film festivals to get sort of attention. And then they find a big production house and a bunch of other affiliate studios to lump in hundreds of millions of dollars or whatever the number is to make this thing go. The same thing happens in video games. I did not know this. I'm a lifetime gamer. Talking to Justin was amazing. It was like going back through like OG Atari games. But what I didn't realize is that the video game world does the exact same. You know of like Acclaim and, and, and EA Sports and all these big brands. The reality is there are literally thousands, if not millions, of game developers who work on cool stuff, whether it's a mobile game or it's like going to be on PlayStation or it's a PC game or it's Fortnite or whatever. And they develop these cool ideas. They essentially create... Um, so if you've ever watched the beginning of a game where they kind of show the, uh, the, the game sort of play in front of you, but you're not playing it, they create these commercials, if you will, uh, like a pilot episode, and then they sort of try to promote it and see if people dig it. And if they get a little bit of traction, they might raise money on Kickstarter or they might raise money in other places. And then they try to raise like a million bucks and they start getting the game up in production. And then as the game picks up steam, usually it gets picked up just like movies and it ends up, you know, ending up in like a claim. They'll put hundreds of millions of dollars behind this thing and then they turn it into a series. Well, Fig plays the early role of this. And he said this in a way that I just, it makes so much sense. If you're an OG for this kind of stuff and for movies, he likened it to Warren Beatty. And this sounds weird. If you know, I'm, there's no way you don't know Warren Beatty. So Warren Beatty sitting there with Jack Nicholson hanging out at Frank Sinatra's house in LA talking about the movies are all run through MGM. And it's, cre- it's, it's quashing creativity. If you look at like Cleopatra and all these legendary films, the backdrop is the exact same. The props are the same in half these movies because th- it was just more efficient and more money for the big man. What ended up happening is they decided, hey, let's create our own production company. Let's own the rights to stuff. Let's go shoot off, off site. Let's go shoot uh, you know, in actual location. Let's, let's have some creativity. Let's creative liberty. And then... If people dig it, we own a piece of it and we sort of raise money around it and so forth. Well, that's what happened. And now you see all these actors who have their own production studios. That's why. Fig does the exact same thing. They take all of these uh, amazing software developers and game developers and they basically let you crowdfund just like you do with the show that we have today where companies call and pitch and you can invest in them. Same deal. What they do is they let you invest in a track that is tracking the stock. It's essentially a stock that is tracking the revenue of the game. And they, by the way, they have multiple games that have like won the national award, best game of the year, have been picked up by, by all of the major distributors for tons and tons of money. People are making real money on this. And what happens is, they will come up with an idea of a game, they will lay out how they plan on, you know, what, what platform, uh, influencers, like how they plan on marketing, how they plan on rolling it out, and then they will create a pilot, and you can watch it, and if you think it's cool, you can invest. And just like Republic, well, it's now is Republic because they bought them. Just like Republic deals, <clears throat> just like a crowd, a crowd safe, 
you have a pro rata share of that game's rights to its revenue. So if that game goes on and does, you know, a million, five million, ten million, twenty million, a hundred million, you get that money. And not only that, a lot of these uh, software and game developers are working together and collaborating using these tools so that you can be a part of the process. So now, Sam, I go back to you. Imagine the games. What games do you play, by the way? <clears throat> Sam, you still there? He's not. You, you still there? What games do you play? Uh, NBA 2K. Okay. The show. Do you play anything like more fantasy? Do you do, you do anything other than sports? Are you I just mean, a sports nut? Is that all that is? <laughs> I mean, I get this all the time. Like, I don't watch movies. I'm a big sports guy. I uh, I like Grand Theft Auto. You know, that's one of okay, my that's, favorite Okay, that's ones. a win right there. So yeah. Grand Theft Auto is a perfect example. That started off indie and worked its way up. Let me ask you this. what? How cool would Grand Theft Auto be? And, and again, you're going into a, a world where these are the first version of it, so GTA 1, that you could have a say in how the game played out. I would love it. Like, how cool would that be? Amazing. And it's not just an interactive thing where, like, I'm not talking about in real time where everybody gets their own. That's like SimCity. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, like, as an investor in the game, they say to everyone, okay, so you have the premise you've invested in. Where would you guys think this would be the coolest? And if you're a gamer, your, you, your opinion matters because you are the clientele, right? Normally, people that talk to this from an investment standpoint talk to people who don't really play games or if they did, it was years ago. And they're just looking at it from a money standpoint. But in the world that we live in now where everything is really fast and people are creating cool stuff really quickly, that value of the opinion of an investor is, is far less valuable than all of you listening who are into games. Because you'd be like, dude, I've played five versions of this kind of game. It sucks. I'm done with it. What would be really cool is if it did this, this, and this. And now that game developer really, like, literally is like, okay, cool. Let's do that. Let's try it. There's a lot of things I would like to add. I mean, in baseball, like, they in the rain delays, you know, they don't even do, like, they'll do a rain, rain delay in, let's say, the MLB The Show, mm-hmm. and they won't cancel the game. They'll just do a rain delay, and then you have to switch pitchers or not. That's it. They don't, there's no canceling the game. There's no double headers. There's no charging the mound, for instance. Like, you hit a batter, you should be able to charge the mound. I think you have anger issues. Uh-huh. I do too, though, so it's fine. I, I, I don't even want to get into this because I'll just tell you how stupid. That's like when Madden came out with a coaching game. I like Madden had coach. In theory, this game should have been my game. Theory would be my game too, and then it wasn't no. because it was like you know what? In reality, all of the stuff that we do every single day, pushing TPS reports, I don't need to do that at home in my game. Well, I always got too fired real. too every time I tried. Mostly for insubordinance. Is yeah, that you talking back much. to the owner? Yeah, yeah. I, I can see how that would work. Um, no, so anyway, that, that's, this, is a, this is a really cool platform, and I think a lot of people are going to get a kick out of it. I really, I mean, I've been in, into games for my whole life, and I did not even know that this existed. In fact, I didn't even know how this whole thing went down. Um, the last thing I want to go to before we get into the, the sort of, uh, I'm going to tee you up for the pitch. Um, the, the company is called Upshift. I'm going to share it on our Twitter, at uh, Katoon, at Technori, and you can you know fend for yourself, but... There couldn't be a more appropriate time for this type of company to launch. Anyone who lives in, in like Chicago, and I would argue even in the suburbs, having a car is kind of a pain. In the suburbs, you have to commute everywhere. That's sort of a different thing. That's me. That's, yeah, that's me too. Downtown, I don't want it. And I also don't want the burden of like having to pay a ridiculous rental fee and then also having to like, 
I don't know. Am I going to get a car? What kind of car am I going to get? It's, you know, whatever. And Toro's fun because you can like hop in like a fancy car, but that's a different thing. This car or this company essentially has you pay a one monthly fee. You get a car, insurance, repair, everything, anything that is associated with cars, car payments, driving, etc. Only you don't have a car. You let them know when you're going to need a car. And they deliver a gassed up, charged up Prius. And it's just there. And you just use it however much or how little you need. There's no Chevys, no Lamborghinis. You just I mean, it, I Prius? think it's just a Prius no. right now. You want to roll like Larry David, right? Like, oh, there's nothing course. wrong with Come that. On. I mean, he had the BMW i3 in the last season, which was pretty sweet because I used to have that car. So He'd I was be like excited. David Hochberg and his Mercedes. Does he? Have, does Hochberg drive a Benz? He does. Ooh, what it's kind of sweet. Benz? I nice. have no idea, but it's usually parked out to the left there. But I got to take a look at this. Yeah. He's doing better than I am. Um, but at any rate, so... Uh, the company that's going to call in here, I think, I just want to like set everybody up because you got to think about this. Try and envision where you don't own a car, you pay slightly less than you normally do, or maybe significantly less than you normally do. You don't have the burden of housing it. Yes, there's the pain in the butt that like it's not on demand, although maybe it is if you know that like this is your, you know, Thursday through Saturday, you do all your errands and run around, you do it then. I, I think this could be really interesting because we're looking at a place where people are remote. I don't. I think this remote thing is going to stick for a little bit, as I mentioned before with the with the article. So, I I don't know. I think there's. Uh, can you imagine? Did you have a car? I have a 2004 Lexus. There you go, fancy yeah. pants. Yeah. Would you nice. Would you imagine buying a buying a car that wasn't? No, I can't. <laughs> All right, so that, they got to sell you then. That's yeah. the key here. All right, uh, we take what another commercial break here. Come I'm back a, with I'm these a hard guys. Sell, so you want, well. What if the car always played sports only? What if you got like it came with a subscription, annual subscription to every single, you know, NBA league pass, MLB, you know, the app, the app or whatever it's called, MLB app. My four, favorite word, first favorite word with four letters, sold, baby. <laughs> That's what I'm talking sold. about. Sold. Put sold. that put that in there. Sold. Sold the producer Sammy. Oh my god, so good. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back with the CEO and founder of Upshift and they're going to well, I, I like it. I'm, I'm on the fence right now, but they're going to have to sell Sam hard. And, uh, you know, we have some time here. So if you people want to call in and, and talk about any of the things we talked about or after the pitch, you want to talk about how crazy it is or not crazy. We'll see. 312-981-7200. And you can also text and I try to respond as quick as I can. We'll be back right after this. Alrighty, folks, we are now into the startup showcase portion of the show. Joining me on the phone, Ezra Goldman is the uh, founder of Upshift. Ezra, are you there? Hey, how's it going? Thanks so much for having me on. Of course. How are you doing today? Good, good. Excellent. All right, so here's the drill. We're going to have you uh, give us a pitch. It'll be about a minute and change or so for the company and then ask you a few questions. How does that sound? That's great. All righty, fire away. Yeah, so I grew up on a 100-acre woods in Connecticut and uh, always loved getting out into nature. But in the last two decades or so, I've lived in cities. And it's just a total pain to get out into nature when you're in a city. Either you're stuck with kind of car share or rental car, uh, and those cars are not always available or they're really far away and a headache to get. It's definitely not something you want to do on a regular basis for, for you know, feed car for a few hours or a day. Um, and so a lot of people, uh, even with car share and ride share and scooters and rental cars, all these things, about a third of people in cities still own a car. Uh, they just don't drive it as much now. Um, but of course, if you own a car in the city, it's a total pain in the butt. Either you have to park it on the street, you get these $90 parking tickets if you don't move it every few days for street sweeping, or you got to pay like 300 bucks a month for a garage in a city like San Francisco. 
And then you're locked into years of car payments, you've got insurance costs, uh, and the asset is basically just sitting there. So it's a total waste of resource just clogging up our city streets. And so the solution is uh, a fractional car leasing or fractional car subscription service. It's like a two-car garage and it fits in your pocket. You subscribe to uh, a Toyota Prius or a RAV4 hybrid SUV, and it gets delivered to your door on the days that you need it. You subscribe based on how often you drive. So our current plans are four, eight, or 12 days a month. Uh, days roll over if you don't use them. And uh, uh, we're coming out with a commuter plan as well, Monday through Friday. Uh, rates are flat and all-inclusive. There's no hidden fees. You don't have to haggle with a dealer. There's not a bunch of paperwork or any long-term commitment or credit checks. And everything is included. So full coverage insurance. Uh, we gas it and clean it for you. Uh, we even take it in for maintenance and repairs. So if something gets uh, broken, we go and fix it for you. You really just have to think about where it is you need to go. And um, we've had over 145 subscribers to the service. We've had to wait list about 50 of them because we had more demand than supply. Uh, we just got new car financing to triple the size of our fleet so we can, uh, we can unlock this growth potential. We built two iOS apps to manage our delivery logistics and uh, web-based uh, software to manage subscriptions and reservations. And now we're building a mobile app so our members can set their default preferences, like their home address, whether they prefer a Prius or RAV4 hybrid, uh, what drive mode they like, the temperature setting, phone charging cable. Maybe they hit want a dog car seat cover or a surfboard rack to come with a car. The idea is really that this, this should feel like a car in your own garage uh, without actually having a garage. So it should look and feel exactly the way that you left it, as if it's your car. And that's regardless of which car you actually end up getting that day, and even once we scale, which city you're in. So whether you're in San Francisco or Chicago, uh, it would be the same exact car, same spec, same trim, same uh, settings, uh, your default preferences, everything should look and feel exactly the same. So it's as if you have your car wherever it is you go. And in terms of my background, I've, uh, I built a dockless bike share service on my college campus uh, back in 1999 with a few friends. And I worked on a shared electric scooter project at the MIT Media Lab back in 2006 where I was doing my master's in city planning there, uh, as well as a number of other shared vehicle uh, solutions uh, over the years. Um, and uh, our engineering team is led by an ex-Pinterest engineer who built the Yahoo uh, Weather mobile app, who's also at Britain Co. Uh, and then in terms of our, our current attraction, uh, we've been around for about three and a half years. We've been doing subscriptions now for about two years, uh, and we've raised uh, about $1.4 million in both debt and equity financing, including BMW Mini, Urban Us, which is a, a, a DC fund that focuses on uh, urban and government technology. And, uh, and then the co-founder of NerdWallet. And now on this uh, Republic Crowd financing campaign, you can go to at uh, republic.co backslash upshift. Uh, we've got uh, $180,000 from, uh, I think it's uh, pushing 850 uh, investors at this point. So that's, that's kind of in a nutshell. Uh, and I'm excited about this conversation and uh, where, where it's uh, going to go. Yeah. So, I, so just to be full disclosure, Producer Sam is going to be had to be sold hard on this. Um, me, on the other hand, I I think this is like very interesting. I I think this is the most future auto thing I've heard yet. You've got the you know autonomous cars and the Ubers and this and, that and the other thing. Um, I actually see a place where this is a huge hit in major urban settings, and I think. The argument mm -hmm. that people give, like, oh, it's you know, doesn't work in rural or so much of this, that, and that. Like, honestly, a couple of years ago, I never saw a bus drive through downtown Glen Ellen in my life, and now I see it all the time. So we have a lot more population, a lot more things going on. I, I can see this working. Uh, we have a, 
a listener who just texted, how long is a subscription and do you offer month to month? And I want to throw one more question on that. Can I, is there a subscription I can, can opt in and have the Prius and or the RAV as needed? Because sometimes I, I need to fill the car up. Yeah, so it's, it is definitely a swap out kind of thing. So unlike some of the other subscription models, uh, you actually get to choose, you know, do you want to drive the Prius this day or the RAV4 the next day? Uh, you can swap between the two of them. Uh, in terms of month-to-month, uh, the current pricing is a flat rate uh, with a three-month minimum, and then it goes month-to-month after that. But we're actually about to roll out uh, some changes to our pricing where there will actually, to make it essentially more like a lease payment. Yep. So there'll be an upfront payment. Uh, we're going to start with 750 see how that goes. Yep. And, uh, and then reduce our, our monthly cost by about 50 bucks across the board um, <clears throat> in exchange for that upfront payment. And then there'll be no uh, it's just month to month from day one. So there's no, there's no, uh, starting, uh, you know, starting lock in on that. For those listening, I'd love to have people text us in here. Um, three, one, two, What you think of seven fifty on the front? Cause I actually think that's a reasonable, a reasonable cost. If I'm, I'm probably not signing up for this on a whim. The only way I would, mm-hmm. would dump, would dump it would be like, Oh, it just didn't work for my lifestyle or whatever. Um, exactly. So I can't imagine yeah, I put seven fifty our- in and just drop it. Yeah, we, so we actually interviewed uh, our existing membership base, and we got a lot of really positive feedback on even upwards of like a $2,000 upfront payment, yep. uh, especially if that meant a significant reduction in the monthly. And if you look at what uh, traditional leases do, that's exactly how they how they do it, right? They're, they're always trying to hover in that 200 and change a month uh, uh, sweet spot for the monthly price. But if you read the fine print, they're doing all kinds of things to add in fees and upfront payments and other things to, to kind of stick, a, stick the price somewhere else. Uh, and so I think that's that's kind of the same the same strategy that you know we want it to be transparent so it's it's you know on the website it's very clear what it is uh, but to kind of shift that cost structure around so that it's uh, more in line with what people are used to with uh, you know a leasing uh, structure. Now obviously the marketing of this is is one you know it's a major expense that you have to incur and I, I see here that you've got um, you know your LTE your CAC versus LTE is very strong. It's like hundreds of dollars versus four thousand and change. So that's obviously yeah. good, but you still have to spend to get people to 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 buy this, which is like anything, right? Um, so my question on that is, what do you what needs to happen socially, whether it's behavior or or just shifts in the way people think or live? What is the thing that you think is going to be the linchpin that has to happen for you guys to to open the doors, the floodgates to, to great success? Well, you know, I, I wouldn't have said this three months ago, but now with the, the coronavirus, um, I mean, obviously it's a, it's a horrible thing for, for, for all of us. But, um, you know, one thing that, that we've been uh, thinking about, and I wrote an uh, article on LinkedIn uh, the other day about this and on our blog, um, you know, Upshift is actually in this uh, unique opportunity to be the safest, most flexible, and most convenient transportation service pretty much on the planet right now. Um, because when we deliver you the car, right now we're actually disinfecting the car every time we bring it to you. Um, you're not locked into a long-term commitment, so it's super flexible. So if you're worried about your your job security, for example, you're not going to be locked into a three-year uh, payment on a lease or a car financing. Um, it's a lot safer than, say, a, a car share vehicle, right, because you don't know when that car was cleaned, let alone yeah. disinfected last. Usually it's only every couple of weeks, and like a 100 people have seen that car from the, you know, uh, between cleanings. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, so while all of our competitors are, are really just, you know, paranoid about the current situation because rental car fleets are like, you know, their revenues are down by like 95%. Uh, you know, the, the car dealerships are down to about 50%. There's just a huge, huge issue 
uh, across the board. And, you know, we're looking at this going, well, our, our revenues are stable because we're a subscription. Nobody's really canceling. Uh, you know, our, our utilization is down a little bit because people aren't going to places as much. But, um, you know, revenues are stable. And we have a ton of people. People are still signing up. Uh, I had somebody sign up just the other day. Uh, and they're, um, a lot of people are saying, you know, as soon as this lockdown is over, I'm, I'm really excited about, uh, you know, signing up and joining this service. So we expect there's going to be a, a huge bump. And uh, we might actually be in a really good position because there's so much uh, glut of uh, cars on the market right now with so little demand uh, that uh, the cost of financing those vehicles might be super, super cheap. And we might be able to build some really great uh, partnerships and relationships with uh, car finance companies, for example, who are just, uh, or even rental car companies who are just trying to figure out what the heck to do with all their cars. Because, you know, if you're in the rental car market right now, for example, you're dependent on the airline industry to come back because all of their demand comes from travel and business and leisure travelers. So I want to get an air, Nobody wants to get in an airplane right I, now. I, I agree. I want to get to that stuff. We're going to have to take a break in a minute, and, and I want to have sure. you stick around because I want to talk about what you just brought up about the, the people leasing, uh, car sales, rentals, and I have another kind of theory on this uh, – why this makes so much sense, but I want to get a question in real quicker because another three one two seven three five asks: Will I be able to see which plans are available before enrolling, so I can be assured the vehicle is available when I need it? That would probably be a major concern for people that are unfamiliar with this. Is like, yeah, I like the idea of knowing and get dates, but like I also don't want to have to wait, you know, however long to get the car uh, if I'm just like go get pizza. Yeah, we we uh, we execute within about thirty minutes, uh, an hour max, I would say, to get you a car. Most people book in advance, but if you do need a car last minute, uh, that's about how fast we expect to get it to you. Um, and uh, you know, I would say that we've never left a member high and dry with no way to get to where they need to go. I mean, if we don't have a car for you, we actually just get you there. We figure out a way, whether it's a, a rental car, car share, ride share to your destination. We just make sure that you get there, no matter what. So can people see this on their, like when they're on the plans, is there a way that they know, like they will know exactly how easy it is or, or like where cars are relative to like the days that they usually use it? Uh, no, I mean, that's, that's essentially all the kind of magic on our back end. That's why we had a wait list last, uh, because um, we knew that we got to a point where we felt like we couldn't execute on the service level that we wanted in order to ensure the availability that we wanted yep. while taking on new members. So this essentially just, uh, something that we're working out is like how many members can we have per vehicle? How do we balance demand? Uh, you know, midweek and weekend is, is a big difference that we've seen is that there's a lot of people who use it almost exclusively, uh, you know, on weekends, and then a lot of other people who use it almost exclusively midweek. And uh, we're also working on how we can adjust our pricing model so that we can really uh, uh, kind of segment the, the the user base in a way that's really clear and, and, and clean and simple to so that we make sure that we have availability all the time. We will uh, get to the future of driving after this break. I have one final question. We have uh, another listener who said, um, <clears throat> for those who want to support American-made cars, do you have any cars that are like an American car option, or will you? You know, we, we actually uh, were, were talking with Ford for, for a long time, about a year, uh, and actually got all the way down the funnel where we were talking to, you know, their senior uh, executive VPs at, uh, you know, Ford uh, Finance and, um, the, the challenge, and they were super gung-ho, they wanted to do it. We had, you know, uh, contracts in place, everything. Um, the problem is we went to our finance partner, and they said the cars don't hold their residual values. Mm. So we were going to do a Ford Escape, and we were super excited. They had this really nice uh, hybrid uh, Escape SUV. They were going to uh, give us access to their APIs to integrate uh, their cars directly, their connected car directly into our apps, which is super exciting, and they're still excited about letting us do that. 
Um, the problem is that we haven't figured out how to make the math work. Yeah. So we went to our finance company and they said, you're going to lose money on those cars. Well, it's, it's hard It's hard uh, to compete with Toyota. Those cars drive literally forever. <laughs> they drive forever. The, they hold the residuals really strong. And so our finance company was like, look, I'll sell you Toyotas all day long, but I, I won't sell you a Ford. So <laughs> we're, we're trying to figure out maybe right now with the current glut in the market, uh, you know, Ford might have a, a somewhat different, uh, you know, economic challenge I, uh, to solve. I would but, hope uh, so. I would there hope might so. be some new opportunities there that, that we'll, we can explore. I would hope so. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Please stay on the line. We will come back with you and talk a little bit about the, uh, we'll call it the future of car. How about that? All right, folks, we are on the phone with Ezra, Ezra Goldman, the CEO and founder of Upshift, Upshift Cars on uh, Twitter and everywhere else. Uh, you can go to republic.co slash Upshift, register to invest and invest in this uh, in this company if you so desire. Uh, I am... Leaning in here, I don't know, Sam. If you're, I don't know if you're leaning oh, no, more. In. My mind is different now. Yeah. <laughs> what a, what a what a homer. <laughs> anyway, um, so I want to talk about the future of cars a little bit here because you brought up a few things sure. that I think are really interesting. People, feel free to uh, continuing to um, you know keep keep plugging questions at us. You can text us at three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. I had a podcast interview. It's not out yet. I think it comes out next week with uh, a company called Ohi, O-H-I. And it's essentially uh, a supply chain. It basically enables same-day delivery of products. They're, it's like if Amazon crushes everybody and the mom-and-pop shops want to be able to deliver same-day, uh, they're sort of the enablement platform for that. And they use other people's uh, workspaces, storage spaces, homes, whatever, uh, to store goods so that you have this sort of um, fulfillment local de- delivery mechanism. And I think that is what I personally view as being the arm tool that when you will hit scale. Like I think if you're able to weather the storm of people sort of figuring this out and the changing times and, and you know, very like progressive areas like San Francisco and others keeping you afloat long enough to sort of make your way through all the major cities, I think what we're going to see is that you have fulfillment centers that used to be called rent-a-cars or that used mm-hmm. to be called, you know, whatever, any name your uh, used car dealership. Because they have all the cars central for you, you have enough economy of scale that you can then have these cars onboard everybody and people can pick and choose and pretty much you've got a, a community that's basically share driving a bunch of cars that are located, you know, within call it ten miles of the next next user. Does that like am I on mm-hmm. point there? Yeah, I think that's that's about right. Yeah, uh, you know, I see Upshift as being, um, you know, as much about the infrastructure for shared autonomous fleets as anything. Uh, you know, there's going to need to be uh, mobility hubs that are going to be distributed throughout our cities, and those are going to be in somewhat different locations from where a rental car is, because, you know, rental cars right now focused on airports and hotels. Um, this is going to need to be focused on, uh, you know, being within proximity to where people actually live and work. Um, and, uh, you know, they'll need to be organized. There won't be a rental car counter. You know, they'll just be essentially a, a, a giant tower filled of cars, uh, and they'll just get spit out whenever somebody wants one. And then they'll go back there probably at night uh, to get cleaned and serviced and gassed and, and everything else. And then they'll go back out again. Uh, and, and I should say charged uh, is the other thing, right, because nobody's been able to do electric car sharing uh, because the the infrastructure and operations costs are so there. difficult. Yeah. But if you have a centralized mobility hub where it's kind of hub and spoke, everything comes back to base at night, it charges there overnight, and then it gets sent back out in the morning, um, that solves your, your infrastructure problem. And you don't need to have 
you know, one charging port per car. You can have maybe, you know, one for every three or some smaller number, right? Um, and so that, that really reduces your, your cost burden as well as, uh, you know, just how you actually execute on that. Now, we haven't done electric cars yet because we haven't built out that level of, you know, mobility hub infrastructure. Um, but, you know, I think that's definitely where, where I see the future. And then obviously with autonomous, um, you know, I think delivery is, is another thing that is uh, kind of overlooked. You know, everybody kind of thinks about autonomous ride sharing. Yeah. Uh, but I actually think that's a, that's a really hard problem to solve, right? Because if you're trying to get like four people to drive through rush hour traffic in downtown New York yeah, or San that's, Francisco, that's, that's, tough. that's just a wicked hard problem to solve. You know, we already have uh, uh, sort of semi-autonomous driving capabilities in all of our cars. So they have adaptive cruise control, pre-collision avoidance, blind spot monitor, lane-keeping assistance. So when you're on the highway, these cars practically drive themselves. Um, you kind of just put it in cruise control. I even put it in cruise control when I'm in rush hour traffic, and it basically drives itself. You know, I just kind of keep my hands on the wheel and make sure it doesn't do anything funny, and uh, it, it's it's great. Um, and then I think for delivery, too, that's something that is, a, is kind of a really interesting uh, automation opportunity, right? Because at 4 o'clock in the morning, if you're driving down some low-speed street, at 10 miles an hour uh, with nobody in the car, that's just a very different uh, set of risks to manage than, uh, you know, the rideshare experience, uh, right? And then the other totally one agree. Is, yeah, totally. uh, is, is parking, right? So if I've got, you know, 100 cars in a parking garage and my problem is at 4 in the morning, I want them all to kind of, you know, swap out which one is on the charging infrastructure, um, that's a different problem to solve from an automation standpoint than, you know, again, the rideshare problem, right? But I think when it comes to automation, it's, it's not really a binary flip a switch like everything is fully autonomous or not. It's more what kind of technology exists, what kind of problems can be solved with that technology, and on what timeline. And I think those kinds of problems that I just mentioned are all things that really would help our business considerably um, and also uh, can be done, you know, uh, in a much nearer time horizon than, uh, you, you know, sort of going for broke on, uh, you know, autonomous rideshare. Um, so that's that's kind of our our bet uh, on the autonomous side. So I want to talk about that a little bit because this is really actually interesting. I think for well for the listener, it's also selfishly interesting to me. Um, the pushback that I remember. So I've like there's kind of two. I'm going to make it short because we only have about six minutes or not even. Um, I'll make this short. So the, the two kind of conversations that I had in different periods of time. One was around Carvana. And I was talking to some used car sales people, which I tend not to try to do, but um, <laughs> I, got, I got myself in a situation and it got interesting. And I remember telling them like Carvana could actually be a really interesting um, place for you. The guy owns, uh, I won't name him, but he owns a bunch of four dealerships around where I live. And basically I said, you know, you can actually, and this goes back to the podcast I had with Oha, you can make as much or more money as a d- distribution parking lot supply chain um, and then basically the cars go from your lot to the Carvana to keep them all filled. And that was the first twist where I see people basically buying things, kind of call it sight unseen. The next conversation that I had was really interesting about this is people talking about Tesla. And I remember I've obviously been a, a bull for Tesla uh, forever on this. I, I'm, I own one. I love them, etc. But the issue that I remember people saying is like, will someone pay a hundred plus thousand dollars for a luxury sports car that essentially has nothing identifiably cool about it. I mean, it's a cool looking car. I love it, but it's not unique. It's not a Maserati. Every single car looks the same. You might have a $62,000 one, or you might have a $180,000 one, and you'd never know until you hit the gas. And what I said to people then was, we are going to get to a place where you look at the vehicle like a utility. 
And we are that really quickly getting there where it's just like the tech, you know, it's like an iPad. You buy an iPad and you get another one and, and you upgrade to an iPhone and I watch like it's all people look at utility and this is all great mm-hmm. for you because what happens is I don't care exactly. to own the car. I don't even need it. Exactly. I just want you to deliver yeah. it when I need to use it. Yeah, there, there's so many things to unpack there. Yeah, I, I totally agree on the utility thing. Uh, you know, most of the people that we service, you know, they they want it to be a nice enough car. You know, they're, they're not really excited by, you know, going to Enterprise and just getting, like, a, a you know, a really cheap uh, entry compact. So they like the fact that it's, like, a, a, a nice Toyota Prius or RAV4 hybrid. These are really nice cars that we're putting on our, our platform. Um, they also like the fact that uh, the cars are identical. Uh, and, and, you know, I often get feedback saying, hey, you know, really feels like it's my car. And I think that's a big differentiator as well that, that goes a little unnoticed. Like, if, the more frequently you drive, the more it matters what you drive. Yep. Uh, and I think it's, it's not quite as much of a utility in the, in the sort of rideshare sense where it's like, I get in a car, I'm going to be in for 10 minutes. I couldn't care less what it is really yeah. for those 10 minutes. But if I'm going to take the car out for a day and I'm going to take it out every week for a day, you know, it, it, it kind of matters a little more, right? You know, I, I want to make sure that I'm comfortable with it. I know how it drives. I'm familiar with it. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't want to spend the first half an hour trying to figure out how to set up the Bluetooth, right? I, I also want to, I want, to add, I want to interrupt you for one second. We had a question from someone who what? makes sense for this. Uh, they asked, is there a time or mileage while a limit to the car or penalties for going over that? Yeah, we're actually very loose on that. So we have uh, unlimited mileage at the moment. We've thought about doing a uh, two, four, six, eight thousand mile a year mileage cap to kind of make it a little yep. bit more like a car lease, and also to enable those low mileage drivers to get a bit of a discount. Um, but we haven't. We might test that out at some point, but we haven't done it yet. Okay. Um, but it's been just unlimited. Uh, and then on the the, uh, the time limit, so it, we go by day. So anything up to twenty four hours counts as one day. Uh, typically, I would say most of our bookings are like one to two days, uh, you know, and people will often take it out for, you know, six, eight, 10, 12 hours, you know, so morning to evening kind of a scenario. Uh, that's not uncommon. Um, but the thing that's nice about that is that if anybody's familiar with uh, some of the other car share programs going, uh, you know, if you're doing by the minute, by the hour, like if I'm going for a hike, I can't stand the fact that I'm like, well, should I do this extra little one mile loop on the trail? Yeah. Well, I don't know. It's going to be another 15 bucks. Like, do I want to pay that? Yeah. That's so like that. I want to, we have to end on this, but I want to just say that the one part of that that's really interesting is uh, like Toro is very cool, but all of these rental situations, they're not scalable in the way that this is. This is actually scalable, which I think is most interesting. Uh, Where do people go to sign up or to learn more about this or to invest? And then we got to wrap the show. Sure. Yeah. So upshiftcars.com is our website. If you want to, you know, learn more about the the service, uh, if you want to invest, uh, there's a few more days in our campaign to invest, uh, republic.co backslash upshift. Very cool. Thank you very much, Ezra. I really like this. This is interesting and it's, it's definitely a future, future driving scenario, which is very cool. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. Uh, hopefully you are staying safe, stay home, enjoy the sun though. Uh, follow me at Katoon or at Technori and, uh, hopefully we'll be back next week. Boom. That's a wrap.